What's up, folks? Welcome back to the Give and Go, man. It's good to be back after a, a funny week where we didn't have our producer, but luckily he is back. Producer Rudd is back in the building. My boy. It's good to have him back, Producer man. Rudd. We're back to normal. Um, if you're listening to us on Spotify, make sure to rate us five stars. If you're on YouTube, subscribe, comment. Always happy to get y'all's involvement. And man, do we have an announcement to make right off the bat. <laughs> yes, Right we do. off the bat. I can't believe this. This is all thanks to the viewers that watch us and everybody that supports us. We have been invited to collaborate with Bleacher Report to be on their live stream to preview the UEFA Champions League final as well as react to the results of the game right after. We'll be on their app, on the Bleacher Report app, so make sure to download that app to, to get involved to see your boys on the stream yeah take over that chat boys let's get the <laughs> give and go going on bleacher report we're gonna have so much fun on that man like honestly i'm really excited to see that game because yeah. we have a lot of takes to talk about it's just gonna be really fun good vibes no and a big thank you to bleacher report for the invitation man i'm so excited and like saltero said blow up that chat man yeah. blow it up but looking forward to it and i can't wait the europa league final just finished up and a final that was built by us as Something truly unique and special for the Europa League because for once we actually got a final where it, we had mid-tier teams yes. going toe-to-toe, head-to-head, and bringing us just these incredible fan bases and scenes to just look upon yeah. over in Sevilla. Man, what a match, bro. Dude, what a match. And I'm really curious to know the reactions of like the general population. Did you get Did you get a chance to like of like Sevilla or uh, just a- anybody? Like, do you know like what people thought about this final? Because you you bring up a great point. It really was a final of two mid table type yeah. teams. Yeah, and you can kind of see it out on the pitch. It got sloppy at times, but then there were times which just pure passion, pure emotion. It was re- really really enjoyable final. But ultimately, there wasn't a lot of chances on both ends. Yeah, man. But for me. The final itself was so fun to watch, man. I actually had a really great time. And ultimately, just congratulations to Eintracht Frankfurt, man. What an ultimate game. Obviously winning on penalties, but holy shit. I mean, ultimately, Dude, the what game, do you think the about game, it? The game was, yeah, it was stagnant at times. It I was. Saw, I saw people on Twitter were a little complacent towards that. They didn't really enjoy that. Yeah. It, was, it was gritty, man. Yeah. It was hard fought. And it was kind of funny, man. I felt like at the end of the game, before it went to, to penalties, that it was really just... 50-50. Both teams had the opportunities. Both teams were just as active. Reviewing the goals that happened, Rangers scoring off a huge oh mistake, a huge God, slip by uh, the, the Brazilian. Yeah, Tuta. Tuta. Yeah. That was hard to watch because you see him make that mistake and minutes after he gets subbed off. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I wonder if that was like a psychological or mental uh, reason for why the coach made that decision. Yeah. But regardless, well, it was Arebo who just pounced on that opportunity. And yes. funny enough, didn't really have that great of a finish, but just put it in that awkward spot where the yes. goalkeeper yes. just can't really get to it and did it right in front of those Ranger fans. And they just, they went off, bro. Yeah. When when that ball kind of deflected back towards Arebo and he sees the opportunity to go straight towards goal, Tuta turns and you can kind of tell his center of gravity off yeah and that's why he ultimately fell if you see it he's leaning forward you know the time when you sprint too quickly and you just completely <laughs> lose your balance yeah. the worst time for that to happen for tuta but for joe aribo to take that ball go in the box straight forward that quick look up picks his spot and finishes those are the moments where as any striker a midfielder as a professional player you have to to finish those chances you have to absolutely and Aribo did yeah and it was pure ecstasy and it was kind of interesting because and it, it got me thinking just as a professional soccer player in general man when it comes to when it comes to these celebrations of scoring goals man mm-hmm. there's one moment where you are locked in Aribo in that moment knew he had one thing to do and that was put to put the ball in the back of the absolutely. net absolutely yes as soon as as that ball crossed that line, pure ecstasy. Pure ecstasy for that to switch in someone's brain. I, I don't know. It just got me thinking. Yeah. Like That immediate <laughs> switch from complete focus to just complete joy. 
I think it's so hard to replicate. And man, I, I just wish I could one day feel that. <laughs> I don't know if I ever will. But God damn, it was so beautiful to see because you could see how much it meant to the Rangers fans in that moment. Dude, yes. How much it meant to the players. You see the players on the bench just completely ecstatic, just celebrating with them out on that pitch. It was beautiful, man. Now, I mean, think about that moment, like what it means in the history of Rangers football. Yeah. Dude. Like, yeah. That's unimaginable. And to be up in the game, especially because at that point, it didn't feel like Rangers was matching up with Frankfurt. Frankfurt was actually in possession of the ball more. They were on their, ha they were in Rangers half more. Yeah. But then just this this golden egg just pops up and and Arebo just takes full advantage of it. Fast forwarding though to the next important play, which is when Frankfurt scored off of Gostich's cross. I man, <sighs> he crosses that ball in. Who, by the way, the whole game was so active. Gostich on oh, yeah. that wing, oh, yeah, just yeah, yeah. sending balls in yeah. at one after another. I think I saw that he. He sent in a total of 15 balls. Damn. It's like, good Lord, man. Like, he, he was really going at it. And he really whips them in. That's yeah. the thing about Kostic. Yeah. You kind of never know what you're going to get when it comes to the delivery because he puts so much English on it. Bro, yeah. He really yeah. does. And it... And I can see as a defender, nightmare to deal with. Yeah. And that's what we saw with this cross. Yeah, yeah. Well, he found his twin, bro. Fucking Borre on the yeah. end of the ball, man. They, I swear they got some sort of telekinesis going because one is Colombian and one is Serbian. Yet they look like they could be fucking brothers, bro. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and they just found each other. And uh, although, yes, it, it was a very good pass, I do have some oh. criticism on, on the center back, Golson, who was way too casual when that ball yeah. came in, man. For me, it was almost miscommunication. Golson wasn't proactive enough to go get the ball when the cross was coming towards him. And he kind of just had that air of, oh, Basie's going to get it for yeah. me. But Basie was already beat. And so by that point, Borre just gets in front of his man and in a very poacher-like fashion, just puts it right past the keeper. Dude, and you think about it, like, you, you, it, it really does take so much tenacity to go a whole game without conceding like that, man. Because it's little things like that where you just, things. in the back of your mind, you're like, my, my homie's got me, man. He's got yeah. my back. But then you look over and... And, and he's, he's out. Beat. He's beat. He's and then beat. you and you just immediately like, fuck, yeah. dude, I messed up. I, I messed made the up. wrong call. To be a hundred percent in all your decisions is just an incredible thing. And I think we're gonna. I'm pointing that out because we're gonna see a different level of quality in this Champions League final, oh where it's gonna God, be it, that those little things are gonna be taken care of, and it's gonna be an even more strategic yeah. uh, approach and fight that we're gonna see. And from that moment on, I, I remember I was watching it on Univision, so I was listening to the Hispanic commentators, and. I think it was like five minutes after the goal scored. The game's not even done, but they had a little vote where they're like, is this going to penalties or is this ending in the first 90? Oh, yeah, yeah. I know how they do yeah. that. Yeah, Winnipeg yeah. loves those They goals. love it, man. Yeah. And like half the crew, if not more than half, said, no, nah, this is going to penalties. No way. And I was thinking about it. I was like, low key, with the way this game is shaping up and what I'm seeing right now, this is this has penalties written all over it. Oh, yeah, All man. over it. Yeah. We enter extra time and... It's pretty stagnant. It's pretty pale, except for one play where Rangers nearly pulled off an incredible goal that was just solely stopped by Kevin Trapp and yeah. just his point I, blank. I, God, stop. God is a Frankfurt fan. <laughs> that was just one of those yeah. a once in a lifetime type of saves. The save of the Europa League tournament just falls at his feet, despite how much movement there was in the box and where that ball was coming in from. He saves it and. Frankfurt gets away with it. They survive it, and it goes to penalties. Yeah. And, you know, it kind of does make sense that it went to penalties because, you know, as I stated earlier, it really was so tight. You could see Frankfurt on the ball a lot more. Rangers just kind of playing a more defensive role, almost countering, not in an aggressive counter way, but countering just because, you know, they, they could and they, they had to. That's how they had to approach this game. But... Even even though it was a stalemate in that regard, you could still see why these two teams made it to this final yeah. and why it was so even. I mean, Frankfurt has so many X factors. You have Kostic, Boré, Lindstrom, who had a yeah, great game today, yeah. very active and provided a lot of creativity for Frankfurt's offense. And then you have Kamara, the Japanese striker, who's just always moving, always getting, playing that hold-up-play kind of role for Frankfurt. Uh, so, so much X-Factors offensively for Frankfurt. You can see them, why they made it this final. And for Rangers, it really clicked to me today. Their chemistry is really, really unparalleled. Everyone has a role and everyone sticks to it. They play for each other completely. No. And so, so, so much of what Rangers do really is impressive from that regard. 
I mean, you have Joe Arebo just doing that thankless task of, I'm going to get the ball. I'm going to abuse my physicality. I'm going to see what I can do. Then you have Glenn Kamara, who is just exceptional in that midfield, just kind of sweeping up, cleaning yeah. up, and then, but also trying to press forward. Wright, I thought, had a really good game, just a good technical midfielder. Doesn't get involved that much, but when he's there, he can do some really good penetrative moves, man. And then, of course, the, the two biggest things that couldn't really get going today, man, the fullbacks, Kent, who was the guy that almost scored yeah. uh, when Trap got that crazy save. And then on the other side, the captain, James uh, Tavernier. Tavernier, the English, the and Englishman. The Englishman, who's their leading goal scorer this year, man. And you can see why. When they get offensive, maintained possession, those two fullbacks go up high. But they couldn't quite get going today. You see flashes. Kent, uh, really good Kent ball was handles. Trying, man. He was he trying. He was trying, but... It just wasn't clicking for yeah. some reason. And then uh, Tavernier just, he would have his moments, but ultimately just could not get going offensively. And ultimately, I think that's just what led to Rangers not getting the chances they wanted. And Frankfurt just, they have, <laughs> there's so much of an X factor that you never really know what you're going to get from Frankfurt. I mean, there's a reason why they literally finished in 11th place this <laughs> year, man. You can kind of see it out on that bitch. Yeah, like, man. Frankfurt are a good team, but God damn, like they're inconsistent as hell over a course of 90 minutes. Um, but ultimately it just made sense. Once that final, final whistle blew in the 120 minutes, I was like, I'm okay with penalties. I'm okay with this. Cause bring all that together. It just yeah, makes sense. Yeah. No. Yeah. Great point on the, on the point of Rangers role players. Yeah. The two players that ultimately couldn't show up the way you usually do, do play some of the biggest roles for that team. Yeah. And so that, that did impact Rangers impacted, at, the end of, at the end of the day. Yeah. What's crazy, man. And what I love so much about the Europa league, when, especially when you have two teams of this level facing off, you know, there's no Chelsea here. There's no Arsenal. There's no, um, you know, Atletico yeah, Madrid. Right. We have mid-tier teams vying for a Champions League spot. You win yes. the tournament. Yes. You get a pass into Champions League. I'm just thinking, man, like, this has to be one of the lowest ranked Dude. Europa League sides, or maybe just teams in general, to make it to, to the Champions League the next year. Right. Like, th for Frankfurt to be in 11th place in their league, and get a Champions they're, League qualification. playing in Champions League next Meanwhile, year. Arsenal is getting crucified yeah. for losing their Champions League spot and being in fifth place in yep. the toughest league in the world. You got 11th place Frankfurt. They got their seat booked, and they're good to go in this tournament. Yeah, they got I'm just that like, broadcast <laughs> money going now. Man, it's just Damn, like... Well, that's the, a good the, point. The, it's so drastic, but that's, that's what I think makes Europa League so dope because yeah. you get rare examples like this where a team just out of nowhere gets into the the highest, most competitive tournament in the world of football. Yeah, dude. And on that note, because that's such a great point, um, when Frankfurt finally won that penalty shootout, the camera really panned in on one guy, Rafael Santos Borre, right? Who got, yes. who, who got the equalizer. And it kind of clicked for me in that moment. I was like, damn, this means so much to Borre because he made a decision to leave one of the biggest clubs in the world in River Plate where he was just scoring goals left and right winning everything that he could, the Argentine League, Copa Libertadores, winning everything that he could, dominating the South American landscape, and he made the decision, I'm going to go to a mid to upper mid-table yeah. team in the Bundesliga, and I'm going to see what that has in store for me. Because he easily could have just not done that and just dominated for the rest of his career at the South American level, right? But he made that decision. And you, you said in, the last, in our last tape, where he wasn't scoring the Bundesliga, man. Mm. Obviously, he was having success in the Europa League. But he came here to Frankfurt, made it all the way to a European final, scored in that final. And now, he's going to be playing Champions League football next year with Eintracht Dude, Frankfurt. yeah. He completed his narrative all within <laughs> one year. Yeah. It's insane. The South American or even just Latin American dream. It's a dream. <laughs> it is the dream. And he immediately did it. In spectacular stuff. You got you to be wondering how good he feels about that decision, man. Yes. To take it, that it's risk. It's that fulfillment. It's that true satisfaction of like, I made the right decision. And I'm just like, damn, like the emotions that he was feeling. I'm so proud of him because, yeah, yeah he was so impactful in this Europa League run for Frankfurt. And for he him to like score that, the heart and that, soul. Of the, of the heart and, soul. and he, he really is a good player. He got that beautiful assist in that semifinal, that diagonal ball. And then he scores here in the final. Both goals, too. He scores yeah. a goal in, in regulation, yeah. but then the game-winning penalty as yes. well. Yeah, like, yeah. What a moment. Dude, and like, huge. Solidified himself as a Frankfurt Colts hero now. And like, yeah. Will forever yeah. be in that legacy. I think I saw it. It's the first team outside of Bayern and Borussia Dortmund to win a European title since like 
the 80s dude wow yeah so yeah, 42 is, years for frankfurt is, yeah like personally yeah this is like historic for them yeah. and on a side note it's so crazy that colombia has borre and luis diaz and we're so incapable of scoring a goal during the world cup qualifiers <laughs> yeah what the so hell is true, going on dude. there man Liam x playoffs are here and it's been a fun ride so far. We're at the semifinals, and I want to talk about a team that has caught my eye, caught our eye, hopefully. I yeah. hope you're on the same page here with Absolutely. me. And that team is Atlas, who just last night trashed Tigres <laughs> 3-0 in the Estadio Jalisco. Incredible goals all around. Goal galore. Tigres fans, Tigres players looking disappointed, looking distraught, don't know how to figure this thing out. Yeah, I've, I've never liked Miguel Herrera's version of Tigres, mm, to be completely mm-hmm. honest. So. And and you just got Atlas and Atlas fans on top of the world yet again yeah. after winning their first trophy in, in years. Yeah, They're back yeah. now in a semifinal. Decades. What did you think about the game? I think the word I'm going to use here is impressed. I truly am so impressed and enamored by what Alas have been able to do over the course of these past couple of years, right? Because um, they've been building on this, right? They've been foreshadowing how good that they can be. Getting Diego Coca as their coach has been immense because he has built truly probably one of the best 11. And I'm going to go ahead and say in Liga MX, not in Liga MX history, but um, in recent, recent Liga MX years, this Alas team, I just... It, when it comes down to these playoff games, these knockout games, I don't see this Atlas team being beaten, truly beaten by any of the other competition in this tournament, man, in this league. Atlas are really, really well built, and they have some really, really good players. I'm going to highlight two. Go for it. Julio Furch. I'm going to go ahead and say one of the highest IQ players in Liga MX for the past, like, six seven years ever since he was with santos i can't believe they let him go but i guess that's just how Liga mx works you know they always just yeah, trade players yeah. to each other it's just how it is i accept it but my goodness he is so clinical in front of goal but not only that his decision making he's not he's not a flair type of player oh, not at all he no. doesn't have pace um but his decision making and his ruthlessness in front of goal is unparalleled in Liga MX. Honestly, I think if Gignac was not here, he would be the undisputed number nine mm. in Liga MX. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's it's testament to how good he is that he can be in that conversation of who are the best strikers in Liga MX. I would definitely easily say it's been over the past five years, Gignac and Julio Furch, man. Yeah. He's so, so good. He's so smart. He's ben, so Benzema fun to watch. Ask. Like the, no, like the yes. league I make Benzema. He Dude, does, yes. does a lot of the little things. Even on that, yes. I think it was on the second goal, he was the one that assisted the Reyes on that long shot. Yes. His hold-up yes. play, the the way he uses his height and his and his strength. He's a big figure. Yeah. And it, it's it's really impressive how good he is technically. Because you really, with people like with his body type, just just in general across the They're NBA soccer. players, bro. Right. Just, <laughs> in, in general, they don't have... He really is a graceful player. Yeah. He plays with such like a type of smoothness that you don't really get a lot with number nines in the game anymore. Julio Forch, man, so, so impressive. He deserves so more credit, fun honestly. He does. I, I think so. Yeah. I honestly think he's really underrated. But obviously, if, if you... If you watch the MS, you watch Julio Furch, you already know how good he is. Yeah. You already, he's so easy to pick out how talented this man is. And the other player I want to really pick out for this Outlast team, another guy who was so important in last campaign, uh, Julian Quinones. My goodness, because this man's a dog. Dude, he's a killer. He's man. a killer in front of goal. Just offensively, yeah, does not stop. It's so physical, but when you need him to have that a little bit of flair, that that those handles, he can provide. And it really gets me thinking because he was a Tigres player. And I just did not see this when he was with Tigres. I did not see this. And I know he was injured for a large portion of his career there with Tigres, but uh, when Ferretti would play him, I just didn't see this type of hunger, this type of skill set. But... He comes to Atlas. He's a completely different player, man. Oh, yeah. Bro, he torched Chivas. Torched, dude. Man. I, I, like, he was the one that just made me lose all hope in the team. <laughs> like, See, he was you just can't killing, compete against he that. He was killing us on that flank, bro. You can't. Finding himself in space and just, yeah, he, he scored the initial goal in the second leg that just just ruined my, my hope. And so, <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> definitely that type of man, man. He's got that dog in him. He does. He does. And it, it just also gets me thinking existentially is like... <laughs> <laughs> 
how many players out there are with the wrong club? Because for, okay. for, for Julian Quinones, he was with the wrong club at Tigres, just in general. Whether it was maybe the midfielders just don't understand his movements. Maybe the coach doesn't understand how he should use him on the flank. Moving the Atlas was the best thing that could have happened to Quinones because not only is he bringing an impact, he's, he's arguably one of their most impactful and important players. Yeah. And you have Julio Furch on the team. So to have that type of player in Julian Quinones now, it's like it's like Boré going to Frankfurt. It was such a good move on a personal career level. You think about how many other players out there are just one career move away from being with the right team. Yeah. Because there's something about this Atlas team where maybe maybe Coca knows how to use Quinones. Maybe he knows like, look, if you just stay on that flank and I'm gonna let you do your thing, and that's all Quinones has needed for his entire career. Dude, and you yeah. think about like the midfield set, Rocha in that midfield, uh, and Abea on the right uh, right fullback. Maybe they just link up really well with Quinones, something that no other uh, player set could do for when he was at Tigres. And it just got me thinking. I was like, damn, like Quinones has really unlocked himself with his Atlas team. And if you're an Atlas fan, man, you are just so you're so happy. <laughs> so because dude, he is torching. You found a gem, bro. You He's went, torching yeah. these league on yeah. nice defenses. And I think that. Man, I low-key think that the Liga and Mex realm can be so fickle in that sense because it doesn't oh, happen okay. as often in Europe. And just hear me out on this. I think that in Liga and Mex, there's the most examples of what you're pointing out, where a player can change a club within Liga and Mex and just starts thriving. Yeah. There's so many examples of a player that just, it, it goes one way, where you're really good at a club, then you switch over and you're, you're turning to dust. Or it's the other way around, where you're an unknown player or you're just not providing as much and you switch teams and suddenly you're suddenly. not just like doing good, but you're an important part of that team. Yeah. Quinones is now like a, a pillar of this Atlas team that I, has I just so. been dominating Liga and Mix now for a good two years now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, dude. I, I completely agree with that. And, you know, See, I see with coaches too, with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think in general, I'll go ahead and say Atlas have my fanship right now with this specific tournament. And I do think that they're going to lift the title for the second time in a row. Something that only two other Liga MX teams have done in the last like 30 years. Pumas in the mid or early 2000s and Leon in the 2013-2014 years. It's really hard to do in Liga MX to win back-to-back yeah. titles. If there's one team that can do it, I think it's this Atlas team, man. Yeah, the, on the other side, you have America and Pachuca, and those are yet to play. They're playing tonight, and I think tonight will say a lot about how yeah. who, who will eventually face Atlas because they're already in, bro. Atlas are in. <laughs> they're 3-0, and they look in full control. I think Atlas has this just yeah. secure. With the way I saw them play last night, man, not only are they so talented in every position and just one of those special teams where every, every position just has a, the player that they need, but they've got flair to them. They're they entertaining, do, do, bro. They, yes, they yes. scored three back-to-back bangers last night, yeah, and something that stood out to me, it. man, They're that I heard it. on the commentary, and I and I like had to look through it. This team does have a lot of diversity in in terms of like where each player comes from. You got Argentines, you got Colombians, yeah, okay. Ecuadorians, Mexicans, but it is pretty crazy still that despite the variety. Not a single player from Atlas got, has been called up for the national and team. And that's what's pissing me off, bro. Yeah. I really do think that Abea, right back, and Aldo Rocha, and maybe even Marquez yeah. in the midfield should get the call I up, I think man. Rocha especially, Dude, bro. Especially, with what bro. we need in the midfield right now, like, he deserves a shot. Not a single Atlas player has been called up. And that that's weird because, like it's, we just said, they've been the best team in Liga MX now yeah, for man. Like the past two, for two the, seasons. For the past two seasons, and they've been building for the past two years. So it's like, how have they not been called up just to try? This Mexican, we've said it before, and we say it again. This Mexican team has been stale, especially in that midfield position. We've called out the fullback positions just being, look, we're getting a little tired of the same guys not really making an impact anymore. Why not bring in these guys who are in the top of their game, in their prime, playing exceptional football in Mexico? Why not call them no, up? No, no and it's crazy. It's, what makes it especially crazy is that I'm not even referring to the call from the World Cup qualifiers. I'm referring to the call-ups now where usually around this time is when a manager like Tata Martino would take some risk or calls up like the really young guys. Sure. Like the, the guys are more unknown that aren't performing as well as the starters during the World Cup. And still, even with that, they haven't been called up. 
So it's just like, man, like what's it's it's just. It's just not in, in Martino's mind to it's just not to, to do it. That's got to be it's what it is. Not. It's just not it just in doesn't his mind. see it. Atlas is Saltero's pick to win it, and I think they're mine too, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm hopping I, the on. The thing is, Pachuca and, and America, sure, uh, are are good teams. Yeah, especially Pachuca. Pachuca's, Pachuca's, got, yeah, Pachuca's, Pachuca's got some firepower, bro. They got some firepower, and they can they can damage any team, even Atlas. I think it's gonna be a hell of a final. I mean, the Atlas Leon final uh, last last uh, Liga was incredible, and it, Atlas had to earn it. And yeah. I think it'll be the same thing. It's not going to be a walk in the cake or a, what are they called? What the fuck? A walk in the park. Walk in the park. Funky question. Piece of cake. Walk in the, it's not going to be a walk in the park for Atlas, but I think they have the tools to just go off and win a second trophy in a row. Oh, man. But it would be fun to see them do it against Pachuca. That yeah, would be really. I, that would be a really fun match. I think Pachuca's a better Pachuca's team. Pachuca's electric there. this season too. Uh, over America, yeah. Yeah, and as a Chivas fan, I'm obviously rooting for America's downfall. So yeah, I'm hoping absolutely. Pachuca can make it out. We'll see what happens tonight. All right, guys, we're gonna take a minute to uh, take a break and give a shout out to our sponsors. That's BetUS. You heard it, BetUS. It's an online sports gambling website where. You can make so many different types types of bets. With all these finals coming up, I mean, I think it's a great thing to uh, get into these matches. Even if your team isn't involved, yeah. you're not a Real Madrid fan, you're not a Liverpool fan, put a bet, put a bet in, and suddenly you will become a Liverpool fan <laughs> or a Real Madrid fan, man. Absolutely. Like, it's crazy, man. Absolutely. man. Your adrenaline's going to be peaking. <laughs> and what's awesome is that, like, they, they got a bunch of deals right now where, like, yeah. especially if you haven't used their site, you can basically make a good number of bets for free because they will double your your deposit. They have a 125% sign-up bonus right now. The deals are just ridiculous. They really want to bring in people to just be part of this betting community. And I think it's great. The interface is great. The whole way it's oh, set yeah. up, I'm like, man, like I'm, I wish I knew about this earlier. So, <laughs> yeah. so I could have been making bets and everything and cashing oh, out on yeah. my predictions. Oh, yeah. So yeah, guys, if you want to give it a shot and you want to join this betting community, if you want to join BetUS, you can do it while using our promo code GIVEINGO. That's right, exactly like how it's spelled on our channel. Give, letter N, go. And you can just support the channel, man. Yeah. You know, we were just getting started off and we're doing this solely by our own volition. I mean, any type of support is appreciated, and you can show Absolutely. it by uh, by signing up for BetUS. So, once again, guys, thanks so much, and uh, good luck betting. All right, cool. What we're gonna do now is we're gonna look through my Premier League predictions. I texted you, yeah. I WhatsApped you. Yeah. Uh, at the beginning of the Premier League season, I sent my full 20-team list prediction for where each team was gonna land, and I sent a little sentence or two uh, with it that kind of described how I thought their season would go. So. I'm glad I did that. I'll show proof of the text you know, on, on the screen perfect. for our yeah. viewers so they know I'm not bullshitting. Let's go. These were my genuine predictions before the season started. And I just want to look over them and see see how they ultimately panned out. So yeah, yeah. I'm going to start at the very bottom. At the very bottom. At the very end of the Premier League. In 20th place, I had Watford being relegated. Damn. And the sentence I attached to them was abysmal squad. And Troy Deeney wanted to go back to the championship. Yeah. That's what I said. Damn. He wants to go back home. Yeah, he wants to. Yeah, yeah. be comfy. Hey, and at the end of the day, pretty close. Pretty close. Pretty damn close. Get, get, get predicting a team to be in relegation and then being relegated is is good enough for me. Nineteenth place, most likely. And then in nineteenth place, I predicted Brentford. Uh, I said that they were a classic promoted side that just doesn't have the resources to survive a full season. When I saw Brentford uh, play in the championship and ultimately get promoted up, I got heavy vibes of like former Swansea City when they got promoted up. Heavy vibes of Leeds recently, two, three years ago when they got promoted up. Heavy vibes of a team that's just really in form and that always lasts at least one year. So I always thought Brentford was going to survive. Always. Just just solely because of the hype and the amount of confidence that they had in themselves. So, yeah. And they were able to do it. Now, the thing is, that sophomore year, it's going to be tough for Brentford to repeat what they did this year. Yeah. So I could see them getting relegated next year if they don't build on their squad. Dude, they have to. Because even they this, to. Even this they year, they pulled out some pretty uh, grimy results, man. They, yeah, they got man. that tie against Liverpool at home. They beat Chelsea, I think, 4-1 at Stamford Bridge at one point. Like yeah. They have a and, good squad, yeah. but they, they, they it's going to be like Leeds. For example, exactly. Leeds were electric, right, oh, last yeah. year. Oh, yeah. They kept the same squad. Maybe they added one, two players. And they're about they're 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 low yeah. key about to get relegated. Yeah. Next up in 18th place, I had Burnley. I said that they were the same side of the past five years, 
and it's time that they get punished for their lack of creativity. I, I love that's that. A, that's, that's a good, a good tank, description. Man. That's literally what happened this that year, I would say. That is a great description. Yeah, they just kind of ran out of fuel finally. They fired their coach. Yeah. Just the ultimate yeah. representation of a team just losing their essence, losing their soul. And right now they're in the tight, tight relegation battle with Leeds they had, going into their last game. Yeah, it's between them and Leeds. Let's see who wants it more because that's just what it's going to come down to, that survival instinct. Yeah. Who has it? Yeah. Leeds or Burnley? We'll and Burnley has the edge thanks to goal difference, but okay. even then you never know what you never know what could happen on the on the final day. Yeah. Moving on, in number 17, I predicted we would have Crystal Palace because they were one of the worst Palace lineups I've seen. Good God, this is going to be a horrendous season, but I think they've got enough to survive relegation. Crystal Palace is now currently in 13th place and Although they've had a better season than I imagined, it's still within the same realm, I would say. That squad is pretty bad when you look at it, and I think we actually might have to give a little bit of credit to the former New York City FC coach, uh, yeah. Patrick Vieira, for what he's done. They're going to need some renovation this upcoming summer to really push themselves forward because I might have the same prediction for them next season if they don't improve that squad. And that's the thing. Gallagher's uh, been on loan, mm -hmm. so it's going to be a huge miss for him. Our Honestly, for both things, because he, he was able to really use Palace as a platform to just kind of pop off personally. Yeah. But not only that, Palace really needed him. They really utilized his uh, his presence and his skill set. So they're going to really miss him. And to replace something someone like that, it's not going to be easy, man. Yeah. Especially when Palace just doesn't have the budget. Um, but you're right. Palace is one of those teams, especially now, they're the classic mid-table Premier League side. They're just kind of yeah. here. Yeah. They're not going to do anything special. Um, but yeah, uh, it's a great enough. take. They just been the same side yeah. and it, they're, they're not really making good moves off season wise in the past couple yeah. of years. So let's see what they do now. Yeah. And I, I just a little bit to the side, I wonder what Gallagher's role would be in this Chelsea squad. Uh, probably, you know, do you see him starting or do no, you see I don't, him? I don't. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's one of those things where it's just like the Chelsea squad is just too stacked. Yeah. It's too stacked. Gallagher's a great, great player. And he needs to go to a team like Crystal Palace to just build his career. In number 16, I predicted we would have Brighton. I said that Dunk and Duffy will provide enough resistance in the back. Hmm. It's just a matter of scoring goals. Brighton is now in 10th place, led by Graham Potter. The uh, coach has been getting a lot of applause yeah, this yeah, season yeah, yeah. for really what was a good start to the season. Dude, do you remember how well they started? <laughs> they started incredibly oh well. I think they were in the God. top four for like a good 10, 11 weeks. Yeah. And then they sort of started to dwindle down finally. Things balance out. Yeah. The Things universe balance, balance itself out. out. I was off by, what, five six six spots but still i did predict they would be worse than what they are now i think at the end of the day if you're a brighton fan you're pleased with this season oh yeah a lot of good has come out of this season a lot of good moments cucurella has, Dude, has cucurella, come onto the scene man. and we i remember we, we actually exchanged a little bit on whatsapp about about what a character he would be in the premier league going into the season and yeah. look at what he's become man he's a fan favorite for brighton and he's even being rumored to join man city for 30 million now pep wants him i saw that and you know it's crazy because how many good Spaniards are there in La Liga right now that play for mid-table teams that just by the nature of how they play would play yep. so well in the Premier League? Dude, you're right. We don't really see that many Spanish fullbacks play in the Premier League. No, and but th that's the thing. I feel like there's unlocked potential, whether it's in the midfield or in the defense or even offensively. Now, the thing is, it's a risk, obviously. Right. Obviously, yeah. When Brighton got Cucurella, they probably had no idea if he's going to be a true success yeah. or not, honestly. But... He obviously has shown signs of La Liga that he has a very good handles and he's a very good passer. And he came to the Premier League and just popped off. Oh, dude, yeah. Yeah, he gives me a lot of Andy Robertson vibes and also like his energy. Oh, and yeah, that great shit's contagious in that back line, But that's the man. thing, though, is that he played for Eibar and then Getafe. Obviously, he was with Barcelona's academy, but he, I think he got yeah, played yeah, like I, one time. Oh, yeah. That doesn't count. So he played with these... Uh, obviously, Getafe had one good season. And I think Cucurella was a part of that. Um... But still, these really, truly mid-table teams in La Liga and Cucurella is now, again, being poised to maybe join Manchester City. Insane, I feel like there's, there's so many players That's in the other theme leagues of the pod, that could bro. really do that. Change. <laughs> yeah. yes. Change it. Make a decision. To, Just make a, make a good decision. Cucurella, my goodness, man. Yes, bro. They, they paid, their decisions paid off. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> in 15th place, I had Norwich. I said they would have a much better showing this time around versus 2019 when they were last year. And that 15th place would be considered a win for the Norfolk. 
And uh, I was pretty fucking wrong on this one, man. Dude. Pretty fucking wrong. I, I, I gave Horrible. Them, I gave them too much credit by putting them in 15th place, man. Yeah. Too much. They had a great, they had a great uh, performance in the championship just the year before. I thought they were gonna be. I thought they were gonna be the team to just stay in. Here's what's crazy about Norwich, man, and it's really got me thinking because they're. When you look at their track record over the past four years, they get promoted, they get relegated, they get promoted, and now they're getting relegated. <laughs> but when they get promoted, it's in dominant fashion. It's not like they need the playoff and they need a dramatic yeah. setting to get through. Yeah. They dominate over the course of, what is it, 42, 46 games in the championship? Yeah. Whatever the hell, that how long their season is, they dominate, and they do it pretty comfortably. They get to the Premier League, and it's the exact opposite. They cannot win. They cannot get a draw. They just lose and lose and lose. And it, it's such a bizarre situation because they're not good enough for the Premier League, but they're too good for the championship. Damn. So where do you go? But how does that even happen? <laughs> how does that happen? Yeah, yeah. How are you too good for one league, but can't even make a mark in the next league? I, I don't think I've ever seen anything like Norwich's situation. It is truly bizarre, and I feel for them, but... Get out of the Premier League, get man. Get out, man. Like, get, out. Get, get me a better team because yeah. I'm tired of seeing Norwich come here and just lay an egg. Dude, they, I'm tired of it. <laughs> the whiplash, bro. They have relegation whiplash, whiplash bro. bro. yeah. Their fucking head hurts, man. They've just been whipped back and forth. Yeah. It's Identity awful, man. crisis. Where do we belong? Because they do not know. I don't know. I think, I think on the other side, though, I think what does play a factor is the strength of the Premier League itself because, yes, Norwich is, a, Norwich is the most extreme example of like how good they are in the championship versus how bad they are in the Premier League. But we do see multiple teams like Fulham, for example, yeah. who joined the Premier League last year, gets relegated, wins the championship right away. That's and true. it's just, and I feel like this formula has just been repeated over and over yes. again by like yeah. uh, any uh, any English team. It's like two, three-year span that really dictates whether they stay in the Premier League or not. They do that for a couple times, and then they ultimately just fall off the face of the earth because yeah. they just don't have it. They don't have the financial resources or at the point I'm getting at is that the Premier League might just be too too strong of a league. We one point we had a pod where we mentioned they might even become like a a mini super league with how powerful like those yes. top eight teams now so good. are. How do you compete against it's that like if you're you in the championship? You cannot compete even if even if you're looking at the results from this year. Brighton is the tenth worst team in this in this in this league. I think Brighton is a top five team anywhere else. Yeah, low key. Yeah. They play they play exceptional football, and they have the players that really back that up. But it's it, it, you you bring up a great point because when you talk about these teams who are who do get promoted but can't compete against these top Premier League sides, for me that comes down to structure. How these teams are structuring. When you look at Fulham, when you look at Norwich, when you look at these teams that are just kind of going back and forth. What they do is they're planning for the wrong things. They plan yeah. to dominate the yeah. championship, but the thing is. The championship and the Premier League truly are two completely different leagues. And then you look at teams like Brentford or Swansea when they were really successful. They built their team to dominate as much as they could in the Premier League, even though they're in the championship. So they had that foresight. They had that idea of, all right, we got to look two, three, four years down in the future. Oh, yeah. When we're in the Premier League, we have to have the right players. Norwich and Fulham, I guess, in these most recent examples, are not doing they're that. Fools, they're fools, man. They're, 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 <laughs> they're thinking completely in the now, and you cannot do that when you compare the two beasts that are the championship and the Premier League. Oh, that's, you yeah. cannot do that. And there's no that's also the thing. Like, there's no days off in the Premier League. If you're a Norwich fan and you're looking at the schedule, like, yeah, you're terrified, what, what's man. a day off for you? Yeah. A, a matchup against Burnley? Even Burnley, you got to go and, and face a tough a uh, well-fortified team that's that's got a game plan. Yeah. And you're just going in there as a like a headless chicken just thinking that you're going to dominate the way you did in the championship. So. Yeah, and that's the thing. with when, it comes, when you really look at Norwich's squad, it's just a lot of static type of players. A lot of players that are very smart but don't necessarily have that flair. They don't have the speed. They don't have the pace. They don't have that strength. But when you look at how Brentford got uh, promoted, they played with a very uh, specific yeah. flair. Yeah. They played with a very specific mindset. All right, we're going to play this way. We're going to play as dynamic as we can, which translates very well into yeah. the Premier League. But they had to do it through a playoff. Yeah. So I, I just think it comes down to that foresight of, you know, you got to look into the future. You cannot just look at what's immediately ahead of you. And that's where Norwich comes short. And number 14, I had Newcastle. Uh, I said, yeah, sure. Why not? Not good enough to be great, not bad enough to be shite. Yeah. 
Yeah. And Newcastle is currently in 12th. I would consider that a win. That's man. a win. That's pretty That's much spot on. That's a win, bro. That's spot on for me. After the season they went through, through, I thought that I would be very wrong on this, especially with how they were in the relegation zone for like 20 weeks straight. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Turns out that they've managed to work Turn their around. way all the way up to ninth place, and now they are in 12th. Uh, I mean, yeah, what a season Newcastle's been through. And it's tough to actually predict what could have happened this year with, with the ownership moves and the yeah. the money they spent in, in December and the winter. Like, that can't be predicted. But yeah. even then, like, this squad finished in the higher um, tier of mid-table teams. And looking forward, they're going to be potentially well set up to be in that top 10 at the very least for the next season. Yeah, I see Newcastle hopefully just building over the next, I'm going to say, three to five years. If they can do it right, I could see Newcastle maybe kind of playing a West Ham-type role where they're just mm-hmm. on the outskirts of Champions League spots, maybe get a good Europa League spot. But they, obviously, they have to play it right. It's not going to happen overnight. I don't think so, especially yeah. with the squad that they have now. It's good. It, it's set up to bring in a couple of key players to where they could get that good success. And 13th, I predict that Southampton would be here. I'm impressed with them at their peak. I'm depressed with them at their worst. And where do we have them now? 15th. Yep. Okay. Pretty solid okay. Pretty solid prediction. Yeah. Southampton, man, like, like a Crystal Palace, classic 13 to 17 team range. Like, this is just yeah, a classic that's just squad who they this are. year. Really bad games, a few solid ones, a lot of ties, just not much to be impressed with. And Southampton specifically, man, they, they need some sort of – some sort of a renovation, man. It's yeah. been the same shit for years now. And I think it's complacent because I think that because they're able to stay in the Premier League and they've just managed to have that consistency, the ownership, whoever's involved with they're that just team, happy, content. is good with that. Yeah. That's the thing, though. It's if you take a risk and it doesn't work, you get relegated, man. So it's like, it's, yeah. it's so harsh. So you kind of, you can kind of get why Southampton or teams like Southampton just kind of. They just like, all right, this is working. We're staying in mid-table. Let's just do this for as <laughs> long as ship, we can. Man. Steady, steady, steady the ship. And let's just see where this can take us. If we can be in the Premier League for a decade, that's a big win. Yeah. Uh, in 12th place, speaking of a team that's managed to make themselves at home, I have Wolverhampton Wolves, who I said could finish 10th or 17th. I think things could go right for <laughs> Wolves this, this season. They finished in 12th uh, in, my, in my predictions, but they're actually at 8th. And I'm going to call you out on this one, man, because I remember at the beginning of the season, you said, I think this Wolves team might get relegated, bro. I, I did say that. And I, I, I did say that. They've impressed me by how, again, they've really steadied the ship. They came up with an identity pretty, I would say, early on. Not early, early, but, you know, maybe a quarter into the season or maybe, especially by the halfway point. Yeah. They're like, okay, we know how we can attack teams and we're going to kind of stick to this game plan. And it's it's worked really well, actually. I've been impressed. Yeah. I really uh, At the beginning of the season, like, this Wolves team is just horrible to watch. Horrible to watch. But they figured it out. No, Very no, impressive. Yeah. I got to give credit to the coach that they have because – they uh, got rid of Nuno Espiritu Santos. Right. And usually with a team of that level doing something like that, a, a coach that's so ingrained in their their culture, yeah. man, like that he was Wolves. He was. Now they have Bruno up top. I mean, he's shown that he he's, he has every single trait that you would want in a Wolves head coach. And yeah. he's just going to continue building that culture. And so they're here to stay. In 11th place, I had the famous Everton. Oh, Everton okay. in 11th. Wow. I said a good squad all around will leave much desired for the Evertonians. Eh, halfway true. Halfway true. Yeah. I think what happened this season was unprecedented. They should not have been that bad with yeah. the squad that they have. Yeah. They just they just should not. The the market value of that team is way oh too high God, for them to be in the final four candidates for relegation. For relegation. Yeah. So uh, abysmal, man. Just a horrible season. And I guess I gave them too much credit. Yeah, and no, and it's not even. It's not even that. It's just. It truly is I'm just, like a disappointed father, it's, man. It's so. It's, it's, it's pure disappointment because when you again, it, it kind of comes down to that risk factor. Everton have made so many risks in just signing these random players who individually are good. It's like it's the, they built like a FIFA team essentially. Yeah. And it's like sure on paper it could work, but when you bring in these the, these type of players who their chemistry just doesn't leak, maybe their egos don't leak, you get this result. An Everton team who do not know how to play together. They have no chemistry and are on the bouts of almost being relegated. Yeah, yeah. And this is what you get. You get complete collapse. 
And it, I didn't know it would go this bad because this was so no, bad this season, bro. Shit hit the bro. fan, bro. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. But my my goodness, bro. In 10th place, I had the mighty Aston Villa. What they lost in creativity, they'll gain in security. They'll be an annoying team to play against this season. Aston Villa is in 14th place. I was off by four spots. And more so true. I don't know. I just thought they would do more with what with the Jack Grealish money they got in the summer. And Same. Just, they just didn't. They didn't. I mean, they still did. They made good purchases. They got uh, Gerard from Rangers, yeah. uh, implemented him into the coaching position at the team, and then they got Coutinho as well. They got Coutinho. Um, so, but that kind of happened mid-season. So maybe, they, maybe they just needed another season. But they did make some good purchases. For example, getting like Emi Wendia, who was dominated with Norwich in the previous season. But that's the thing, though: was getting a player, was getting a championship player, the right move for a, a mid-table team like Aston Villa. I feel like that money could have been spent a lot better. So in theory, they made some good purchases, but ultimately it's just, it, I don't think it was ever going to culminate into the right sort of response to finish in the upper mid table, man. Yeah. And it, it shows they finished 14th for me. You're right. I thought they were going to build on that core of players that they had last year. They really didn't. Yeah. They really didn't. Yeah. This is a fun one. Arsenal, man. I put them at ninth. Oh, shit. Expect a lot of uninspired football from this team despite having decent players. Yeah. Arteta gets fired this season. Yeah. Surprising made it through, man. He survived it. He survived the season. Yeah. Uh, and this Arsenal team is an enigma, man. They're, they're a great representation of what it means to have your expectations changed throughout a season. Yeah. Because before the season started, you'd be happy for them to finish in the top five. Yeah. Midway through the season... It's a disappointment that they're losing out on a Champions League spot. And that's just the that's the, the most pure representation of what it's like to be a fan of a squad, to see them play week in, week out, and see how they can progress and improve and then fall back on what they once were. And it's, just, it's built such a good dialogue for not just Arsenal fans, but the, the football community in, in the sense of, should we be impressed with what Arsenal has done this season? Right. And pinning it on Arteta... Should we be impressed with the job he's done, yeah. or should he be on the on the coaching ropes? The fact that you if you have such an expectation going into the season, things during the season just are not going your way, but then all of a sudden things can change. Things truly can change. I mean, this Arsenal team, bar that game against Newcastle, was very close to qualifying the yeah. Champions League. Technically, still can make it. It'll be a little bit tougher now, but. They've been able to really turn around their season. And our last take on Arsenal and our, and our last taping was a, a, a word of true impressiveness. Like, I'm, I've been impressed with Arteta just in general, what he's been able to do and turn around this team with the squad that he has. And I could I could see Arsenal just improving on this, yeah. truly improving on this. My expectation for them next year is to get fourth or third place. Yeah, I think and so. And solely because of the chemistry that they built over the course of the season, the fact that each player knows that, look, if we just focus, we can be top four. Yeah. We can be top four. But they also know that they can frustrate each other because there are so many games where they just drop the ball and don't Dude, get yeah, the result that they should. They, in the top six, I think they have the most losses. They lost 13 games, yeah. only tied three. Right. So they need, to, they need to fix that. Even, Absolutely. even in the sense of like, let's not lose this game. Let's at least fight for a point. Yeah. That stuff adds up. It adds up, but there's hope. There's I hope. think there's true there's hope. hope. And they'll be playing Europa League football next season. Oh, so. Yeah. Those are going to be more games to worry about, and maybe that'll help with their momentum and just overall chemistry. Absolutely. In eighth nice. place is probably my biggest blunder, bro. I had Leeds United finishing in eighth. Uh, yeah, this is my worst one. This is my worst one. I, I was on that bandwagon of they had I was a too. great first season. I was too. Uh, my prediction was Bielsa has arrived. Active, <laughs> <laughs> no. Active transfer uh, window. Last uh, season was a trial. This season, it's go time. Good Lord, this man, one, looks bad. This one, if you're a Leeds United fan, this one hurts. Yeah. Hearing that hurts because yeah. I feel like anyone who believed in this Leeds squad probably at least envisioned themselves finishing around 10th. Yeah. No, yeah, you yeah. had to, man. With, how, with to. how they took the Premier League by storm in their first year. Yeah. And we already talked about Leeds with like sophomore year coming up and just how much that, that impacts you as a squad. Yeah. Didn't have it in them, man. And they, they are on the ropes literally right now. Uh, you talk to any Leeds fan, he is stressed the fuck out at yeah, this moment. Yeah. Anxious as hell because they've got a big game coming up this weekend that will ultimately decide whether they make the the relegation or if they stay in the Prem. Yeah, so, yeah, I was wrong on that. Seventh place, West Ham. Don't like their offseason. 
think they do slightly worse compared to the successful season they had last year. West Ham right now is in seventh place. You're this is my on. this is my masterpiece. This is your best one. This is my Michelangelo. This is my Sistine Chapel. Yeah. My beautiful prediction. My beautiful child has come to fruition. I'm so proud of this one. Uh, I mean, what else I got to say? I already said what they. I said what happened. Well, you, I predicted you, you predicted what predicted happened, it. and it came to be. What else we got to add, man? There's nothing to That's add. That's it. Sixth place, Tottenham. Nice summer. Think they got better, but Kane's imminent departure. I didn't even know I knew that word. Will stunt this team from achieving top four, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. I think it's I, possible I, that I, they don't finish. It's possible, but I, I I take this as an L because when it comes to the top six teams, it's almost assured that they're gonna be in the top six. That's okay. So, so for you me to want put, to get it right on. Yeah, yeah, or at least within one. I got it within two. Started off with Nuno Espiritu Santo, ended with Conte, and I think that the team they form now is looking really, really good going into this upcoming season. And if they get Champions League football, brother, I'm so excited at the prospect of Tottenham. Having Champions League football, yeah. providing Conte with that financial backing ah. that we know he can do so much with yes. this summer. Serial winner. Serial winner. Yeah. I think that we are on the verge of seeing a no longer a top three heavy Premier League, but a top four going into next season if Tottenham can close it out against Norwich. I like this Tottenham squad a lot, man. It's so cliche, though, because no matter what Tottenham do, no matter what they accomplish, I cannot have faith in them in a upcoming season i cannot definitively say tottenham's gonna vie for a top two top three spot no matter how good they get no matter how much they promise i always see tottenham between fourth and sixth place and it's that cliche of tottenham always bottle it some during sometime during the season serial bottlers yeah right it's such a cliche i actually get pissed saying it but it is, to an extent, true. No matter how good Tottenham get, no matter how much that they promise, no matter how much that they get you hoping, Tottenham just cannot figure out that top three spot consistently in the Premier League. They cannot figure it out. Yeah, man. Um, but you're right. Look, they have... But you can say this every year. They have the infrastructure. They have the squad. Now, you, I guess for the first time, maybe, you could say they have the coach. And sure, you could say, oh, well, what about Pochettino? Poch took him to the semifinals. He took them to near goddamn winning the Premier League uh, if Leicester didn't exist. You could say that, but Conte has, actually has the silverware to back up uh, his skill set. So maybe, maybe this is the difference. Conte. And if that's the case, then I could get behind this. But at the end of the day, I'm still going to be a little bit shaky on how good Tottenham can be. In fifth place, I had Leicester City. <laughs> most reliable team outside the top four lots of quality in this team honestly uh, i'm letting my pride get in the way here man fuck leicester city bro yeah they're too they're too good to be ninth man leicester not in uh table position but in the way that their season always ends they're the borussia dortmund of the premier league whoa 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 they should it's be like a slur so- <laughs> <laughs> they should be so much better than what their squad makes them out to be at come at the end of the day. Their squad is is really good. They have they pick the right players for the style of football that they want to play. They have a great coach. They play the yeah, right type of that. soccer. But at the end of the day, yeah. they cannot finish where they should. And seasons pass, they always should get that fourth place spot and they always bottle at the end of the season, finish fifth or sixth. This time it's just that one step lower. They should have finished right outside that uh, Champions League spot. Instead, they're ninth place. So they always do one step lower than what they should. Just like Dortmund. Dortmund should always contest a lot higher for the Bundesliga than they ever actually do. Year in, year out, they play amazing football. They get the right signings. They get the right coach. But Dortmund always falls short. It's the same thing with Leicester, but just on that step lower in the Premier yeah, League. Step lower. Yeah. Obviously, I'm never going to say Leicester's going to consistently vie for the title, but Leicester should be better than what they mm. always finish. Shame on them, man. It's shame on shame them. Shame on them. Yeah. And my big thing, man, is I'm so high on Conte. I'll back him up uh, the whole time that he will be at Tottenham. I'm the opposite with Brandon Rogers. Oh, man. yeah. You're not a fan? Not a Rogers fan, yeah, bro. That's fair. Not a fan, man. Tell me what he's won. What has he won in recent memory that was actually important and not a participation trophy? Man. That's a participation <laughs> trophy, bro. I'm not big on him. And I think he's one of those guys. He's a demeanor merchant. He just he just gets off on his demeanor. Right. That's what gets him these signings. That's what gets him involved in these high-level teams. Right. And then you see a season like Leicester. 
I'm I'm putting this on him, bro. They had a at the end of the day, they had a bad season. They when did. I, when, no, when they me did. and the in the national media is predicting them to be a top five, top six team right. following a great season, they can't even make it to the final of the Europa Conference League. Yeah. They lose out. Yeah. And I'm putting it all on him because there's no excuse with that roster to be where you are right now. Oh, you're no, you're no, no, under no. wolves right now, man. Yeah. And they went through way more this season. So I'm I'm a very anti Rogers, and I hope the pod viewers know that. Fourth place, this is where it gets fun. Manchester United, productive summer, improvements everywhere except for coaching. Jesus Christ, what a season for Man U. What many people are lauding as the worst season in Man U's history. history. Uh, I mean, from what I've seen of this squad in the past 10 years, I, I would agree. I think this has been a terrible, horrendous season for Man United fans and the, yeah. and the team itself. It's ugly, man. It's, it's really, been it's ugly. Really fucking, to the point where, like, these past three weeks with the with the season winding down, I'm watching Man United games just thinking, man, I cannot wait for their season to be over. Yeah. There is nothing to play for anymore. Mm-mm. Nothing. It is, it is just, they're just a, a dead man walking at this point. Yeah. And so... Uh, yeah, Man United fans I know are just so eager to get that offseason going, to get transfers in, to get a, a whole renovation with, with Eric Ten Hag coming in, hopefully being able to revitalize the squad, even just a speck, man, just a little bit. That's true. Because this team needs so much work, and uh, in a way I'm impressed that they finished sixth, bro. I was about to say, like considering how bad, uh, considering their lowest points, or at least stretches of just really bad performances, it's actually impressive that they finished sixth. Maybe they finished seventh if West Ham do something crazy and United bottle another game. But still, to even be in that top seven, I'm like, damn, like, good for them, I guess. But wow. still, from obviously, from United standards, all the British people are very aware of it because that's all Sky Sports ever talks about. <laughs> it's been a debacle for United this season. If you're Ronaldo, do you stay? Oof. I don't, man. The, I, I, it's a good question because I was thinking about this the other day because people were talking about is Ronaldo in Ten Hag's plans, right? Apparently he is from a coaching perspective, but just from Ronaldo from a player perspective, what does he want? What would you want as a fan of Ronaldo? I, I, I would say he would have to stay because where else does he go, man? He's not going to go to the Bundesliga. He's not, Hell no, bro. <laughs> no. He, he's, he's not going to go Liga back to Spain. Mix, bro. Yeah, that's the thing, Get him in Querétaro, bro. That, that's what I'm saying is that, like, <laughs> he has no other place to play in Europe. He doesn't. Yeah. The only other place he could go to would be low-key, the MLS. But even that would just be a bad move considering that he could still score goals at the oh, highest yeah. level. No, yeah. He's so it's it. just one of those things where it's just like he has nowhere else to go. He doesn't. Yeah. So for me, when I really think about it, he has to stay. He has to because... Obviously, he's not going to play because even then, you know, his minutes have kind of been reduced just because, you know, he is getting older, but he could still have an impact even in this upcoming season. Yeah. So why not just stay? Maybe he could say he's been a part of United's rebuild when he retires, right? And ultimately, he can say, yeah, I was a part of why United ultimately won years later after he left. Hey, you don't think he could go back home to Portugal? No, nah, because that would just be a bad move, too. It'd be a bad move to go back to a sport thing or. If he went back to Benfica or Porto, it'd just be weird yeah. from a sporting perspective. Yeah. And for him to go to sporting, it'd be like going to the Bundesliga or just a shittier We league. wouldn't hear from him, bro. We, would, we, we wouldn't, wouldn't hear see him in Champions League. Yeah. We wouldn't see him in European like uh, tournaments. He'd be he'd be off the face of the earth, like yeah, off the map. Absolutely. And I just it'd just be a poor career move. So the best thing he can do is just stay in Austin FC. <laughs> uh, third place, Chelsea. Dangerously deep, but questionable about their consistency within the league. Yellow. That's pretty spot on. Yellow. Ding, 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 ding. That's, yeah. That is spot on, bro. Um, They're so stacked. I don't man. know. I kind of just do this. I kind of just do this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they did exactly that. The, the biggest so thing I've noticed about Chelsea this season is their inconsistency with. With uh, going on these winning streaks and then just plummeting, yeah. having really rough games, losing against lower quality teams, uh, and I think I put it onto the squad more than Tuchel. Sure, I, it's tough. It's tough. They've been through a lot this season. The ownership change, the ownership thing, um, yeah. that, the that way that whole situation is looking, man. It's just it's tough, and I'm proud of this because a lot of people. Before we get to, I don't want to go too deep into Liverpool, but a lot of people didn't have them in that second or first spot. They had them in third or fourth. A lot of people even put Man United above Liverpool going into this season yeah. because they were so, you know, just bad last season. Ah. And those same folks had Chelsea 
in that top two, potentially even winning the title. It was more predictions for Chelsea winning the title than Liverpool. And I'm, I was just thinking, I just don't see it. I just don't see how they can do, the, do it with that squad. Uh, maybe a lack of experience factor plays into this as well. And ultimately, I see them being in the top three teams, yeah. but not in that top two. Yeah, I was actually one of those people. I, I had Chelsea vying for the title to the very end. Um, but it became very, very apparent early on in the season. I was like, oh, this Chelsea team just doesn't have what it takes to go for a 38-game season. They just don't. Um, they they, they have so many good players. They have such good talent, especially in these offensive departments. But you're right. They're just too inconsistent. But it's if you're a Chelsea fan, you're so disappointed because this squad is in- incredible. Just purely from a talent perspective, they should be doing so much better. And they should be way closer, way closer to Liverpool and Manchester yeah. City than they are now. Yeah. Way closer. For me, finishing third is a failure for Chelsea considering how good they could be. Uh, but where it is tight is in the top two spots. And in second place, I predicted we would have Liverpool. Liverpool in second place because at full health, they are the same team that won the Premier League in 2019, yeah. minus Wijnaldum, but with additions of Thiago, Konate, Jota, um, and etc. Right. Ultimately, I said that injuries define this team with how important each role is with, with this Liverpool squad. Losing a critical guy in a critical position yeah. is going to hurt him. We saw what happened the, the season prior. You throw in the addition of Luis Diaz as, as well, and this team has done exactly what I thought, but even more so, I think. Yeah. The fact that they could end the season in first place. This this is this is not this is not set in stone. Liverpool is now in a position where they could potentially win four trophies. They've got two already secured yeah. in the bag. They might get that third one if they defeat Real Madrid and Paris. What was your description for a city? So you had them finishing first apparently, but why? In first place I had City, I had Manchester City and I said squad depth plus proven ability to race away with the title at any given time. Ah, and that, I th- that's that's yeah. very telling of the City yeah. team for the last, what, six years? Every season, man. They just know how to win the Premier there's League. There's a 16-week span where they just win, win, yeah. win, win. Not even a draw. They just win. They just win. And they did it again this season. Yeah. They did it again. And I think this time... It took so little from Liverpool to give away that edge. They, they, I think they lost to West Ham, and that was all that did it. From yeah. that point on, we were chasing uh, Man City the whole way through up until the final day of the season where Man City faces off against Aston Villa, Liverpool faces off against Wolves, yeah. and Liverpool fans are hoping that a miracle could be in play for them. And the thing is, this actually isn't a bizarre miracle that could occur on this last match day, bro. If City tie or lose and Liverpool win, Liverpool will become Premier League winners of the 2021-2022 season. So it's very viable. And and here's what's crazy is that when you think about when City finally won their first trophy, they did it on the last match day Mm. against their fierce rivals, Manchester United, in stunning, spectacular, dramatic fashion. What's crazy, Liverpool at home, Manchester City at home, there is a crazy opportunity for something beautiful and honestly magical to happen for Liverpool to somehow steal this from Manchester City. They're going to Manchester City, Manchester City, bro. There's, a, there's, a, there's actually a decent chance because yeah. this is not going to come down to some crazy goal difference if all Liverpool win and Manchester City does not. Dude, and the narratives at play with Steven Gerrard being the head coach of the team facing off against City. Yes. Ex-Liverpool player Philip Coutinho being on that same squad. The 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 storylines at play could be tremendous, and it isn't that far off. This isn't it's that not crazy. That far, it's not that crazy. A simple tie and, yes. and Liverpool win, and that's all it takes. That's man. all the it takes. Is- and I do think that Villa is going to go at City because they know that they could be a part of history to for for City to lose this title. Yeah. They know that, and same with Wolves. Wolves are going to go into this game like, look, let's crash this Liverpudlian party, man. Yeah, let's just go off on these players. And it's going to be so fascinating to see, man. I cannot wait for Sunday, man. Because yeah, this is going to be a spectacular finish. One point separating them right now. Who the fuck knows what's going to happen? Dude, and what's what's funny is, is Aston Villa played today and they didn't play their starters. Hey. In, the, in, the, in the sense that they're kind of resting and yeah. preparing them for this big game on, on the weekend. What happens if Manchester City wins? Then I think it's just a culmination of what they've been doing under this regime of Pep Guardiola, man. This team is built to win the Premier League. 
They're completely stacked in every position. But not only that, their starting 11 is one of the best 11 in the world. So for them to go over the course of 38-game season and win it, it's what they've been doing. It's what they're built to do. For Liverpool to win it, though, I think it would just be a culmination of what Klopp has been able to do. He's built something that's completely different from Manchester City. He's built... He's given Liverpool an identity, something that they've been begging for for decades, ever since that uh, that insane Liverpool squad in the early 2000s, yeah. right? They've been begging for something similar. Klopp has been able to do that, winning the title in 2019. For him to win it just a couple years later, that would really dictate, or it would really describe how well Klopp has been for Liverpool, man. Yeah. Would you say this is a failure, though? If uh, Even if Man City wins the title, is this season a failure for them? Only winning one trophy out of four? It's tough because Premier League That's is one of the tough, the Premier League is one of the most valuable trophies in it, world no, football. Absolutely, but to just win one, yeah. not even the FA Cup, the Carabao you're Cup, right. or or the Champions League, I think it's a failure. You got to win two a minimum if yeah. you're a Man City. You have to with the financial backing that you have, right. the the level of talent, the level of the the coaching genius that you have up top. Yeah, you have that has to result in at least two trophies per season. Yeah. Yeah. Regardless of how good the opposition is, considering how good you are, how much work you've put into it, the money, the the depth of scouting. Yeah. You, you should always expect at least two trophies. You're right. Yeah. Shit. And the last question I'll ask is if if Manchester City loses the title yeah. on the final day. What happens? <laughs> what the fuck happens? It'll man? be one of the greatest title winnings of the Premier League in Premier League or English history, man. This would be that that's why I'm so excited for Sunday, man, because there is a good chance for something crazy to happen. And even if it doesn't happen, it'll still be beautiful to see City actually earn it on the last right, right, day. The way the so no game, matter what yeah, happens. The way the game starts off, it's zero zero. Yes. So they have to score a goal, man. Yeah. They have to. So for like there'll be like a good you know, hopefully it's not like five minute span. Yes. Hopefully it's like a sixty minute span where they can't find that goal. Oh my Liverpool god. Liverpool goes up goes up and oh suddenly it's thirty god. minutes left to win the title. And City are just losing their minds, bro. Oh <laughs> my god. That's the thing. No matter what happens, there's going to be drama. Even if City end up just holding out, right? It's going to be done in a dramatic fashion. I cannot wait, man. I cannot wait.